Welcome back to the Enjoy the Walk podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, excited to get into what is, is just seeming like a never-ending conversation with the PGA Tour versus the world and the Saudi League, the Saudi-funded league. Uh, Phil had words to say. Phil had words to take back on what he said. Uh, Rory had vice of words to say. And uh, we had record-breaking week out at the Genesis. We saw Tiger Woods for the first time in what seemed like ages. Uh, we saw Tiger Woods upright which is even more exciting news. Uh, he is moving around. The big cat is all in well. Dante, it, it seems like January into February is almost way more of an exciting time for the PGA Tour than what it has been in past years. This, this wraparound schedule is really bringing a lot to the table for the PGA Tour. Are we talking events? Or are we talking about the news just buzzing in the golf Twitter world going absolutely can we, bonkers. Can we say both? Is it fair to say both? I I think it is fair to say both because we had some electrifying uh, tournaments and winners at the same time. I mean, just the last two weeks alone, you had the Phoenix Open with Sahith, uh, the Gala. Sahith, Sahith, the Gala. Oh, gosh. I'm butchering that. The Gala. Yeah, right? Basically, almost about to, like, start rookie year or whatnot, exempted. That's what I say. It's an exemption into the damn tournament and basically almost wins. Then it goes into a playoff. And Super Bowl Sunday, you and I are texting back and forth saying who we think is going to win. And we were completely wrong. Shocked out of that. And then you got a guy plays last week at Riviera. goes eight under, eight under the first two days, sitting at 16 under and basically holds on to win the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, right? Like, so you mentioned – First couple weeks of, of the new year, of the new season, we saw back-to-back-to-back to back to back first-time winners. And we were on another roller coaster ride this, this week, even though Joaquin went 63-63 Thursday-Friday. He wasn't convincing in his win coming down the stretch on Sunday. Um, you know, we had guys kind of chomping at the bit. Colin Morikawa seems like he came out of nowhere. Um and just vaulted up the leaderboard on a Sunday afternoon. And you had Joaquin, who before Sunday was kind of just on cruise control, making birdies from every which way, um, played kind of a lackluster Sunday, if you could call it that. I mean, he still got the win, but he played a lackluster Sunday in which he shot even par uh, in other days when he was just, you know, the absolute man to beat. Um, it was it was really cool to see a Sunday again where it was almost must-watch television. You saw a guy in Cameron Young who was vying to make it four for four in first-time winners. Um, it was just, it was again another Sunday where when you're sitting down watching the backstretch of a PGA Tour tournament, you almost couldn't look away. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was electric. It was, it was exciting to watch for what I got. But at the same time, what I didn't catch, I was still you know, getting news updates left and right. I mean, it was unbelievable. And then, you know, I was at a bar, I think, Sunday Sunday night, you know, watching it before. Like you said, I was watching before I headed into this, um, I think it was to a comedy show, and ended up, uh, luckily, the bar, the biggest screen had it on, so I'm just sitting there watching it. And like you said, I mean, there, there could have been any moment within the last four-hole stretch that could have completely flipped the switch and, all that greatness on those first two days would have just went to waste. I mean, not necessarily went to waste, but I mean, getting the dub is what I'm really talking about. I mean, what he did was incredible. I mean, that just, he just came out eight under and, and it was funny too. On Thursday I was watching, they were basically saying like, Oh yeah, like that's really hard to do. You know, you know, you can't go out and play shoot eight under and almost beat the course record or tie the course record and do that again or come out the next day and have something similar that's that good. And he, get it. he went out and did it again. Yeah, and I mean, the first wire-to-wire winner um, in ages, the first wire-to-winner, wire-to-wire winner at the Genesis since Charlie Sifford did it back in 1963. Um, I mean, for all the shit he was taking throughout the weekend as far as, man, you know, someone plays this great, it's tough to make it happen, and yada, yada, yada. 
I mean, Joaquin stepped up to what was a tall, tall task and made it happen on probably one of the toughest golf courses uh, that the PGA Tour sees all year long. Yeah, and they all the players said that every time they got the Riviera, they say this is one of the best tournaments that they ever play, and it's by far one of the hardest. And to be able to come out and have that feat, like that's that's insane. It is, and then I mean, when you guys got when you got guys breathing down your throat too, like a on fire Colin Morikawa, like a Victor Hovland, like an Adam Scott, who we're gonna talk about a little bit later in the podcast here for other reasons <clears throat> Saudi uh, where you've got guys you've got guys like Justin Thomas and and whatnot just down the stretch of just world-class talent uh, breathing down your neck and you're able to kind of keep it together and and you know perform like Joaquin did um, seriously impressive I know he had to be just over the moon elated that he put on this performance in front of Tiger Woods yeah and imagine that alone but imagine going eight under then eight under again. Now you're sitting there pretty well up on the leaderboard, but then again, you're only, I think he was going into Saturday one ahead. Like, what do you, what's your mental strategy? Like, what are you doing? Like, are you going in? And I mean, what, was it foot on the gas the entire, those two days? And then, you know, let me play conservatively or, or do we just, I mean, I think, it? I think this week, especially, Put to perspective how freaking tough it is to win on tour, right? So when he broke that 36-hole scoring record, he only had a two-shot lead. There was another guy who tied the 36-hole scoring record and basically got no accolade for it because, well, screw you, you got beat. But to put it in perspective, that scoring record had held for like four or five years. And for him to go break that, and then basically only have a two-stroke lead uh, after Friday is incredible in itself. And then you go into Sunday, really, with only a two-stroke lead. It, it, it begs the question, you know, how freaking good do you really have to be to go cash in and win on tour? And I think the answer after this weekend is it, it's not good enough anymore to just be great. You have to be record-breaking in order to go get a win on the PGA Tour in 2022. That or, you know, back then it almost seems as if you only needed one or two good rounds, not great rounds, good rounds, and you can get, a, you know, you can walk out with the, you know, number one and with the trophy in your hand. But now it's almost you need at least three great rounds to basically lock it in. You're spot on. Great. Right. Not good. Great. Six under or better. At least two of the rounds. At least two of the rounds, and then three or four under in the third. It was really incredible to watch. I mean, you know, just me sitting there on Friday and Saturday watching him shoot 63-63, thinking, man, he's got it in the bag, right? Like, you think after that, you can be on such a roll. You've got a five-stroke lead, six-stroke lead, cruise control, right? Wrong. You go out and shoot a 68 and people behind you go out and shoot 65, 62. And all of a sudden you're like, man, I played a good three under round of golf and I almost lost my lead. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was fun to watch. And I will say, I think just these guys um, playing Riviera and playing out at one of these toughest golf courses uh, during the entire schedule showed their expertise, especially around the greens. The short game was really impeccable to watch this past weekend. It really was. It just it just seems like the guys that were on were on, and it was pretty well throughout the you know the, the leaderboard was again. It, it this is why the PGA Tour is you're not going to see a Tiger Woods esque player where he's playing for first and everybody else is playing for second. You're just not going to see that. You're I don't not. think you'll ever see that. I don't think you'll ever see it. A Tiger-esque or Jack Nicholas, great ever. Just because the depth of all these players and how good they are, it's just near impossible. And, you know, it's funny. My dad and I were having that exact conversation this weekend when we looked at, um, you know, what Joaquin was doing, right, and breaking some records and, and whatnot. 
when Tiger was doing that, and my dad put this in perspective because obviously, you know, myself, you, we grew up in a time where, you know, 94, 95 is when I was born in 94. You were born a little bit before that. Tiger had started his run by then, right? Like he was doing his amateur events by then. He won the USAM. He was in college. He was graduating. He was getting out. He was winning his tour events. When he took the world by storm, I wasn't, I don't think, old enough to truly understand it yet. I was close, but I wasn't there. My dad was, you know, obviously my father, 30s, in it. He was in it at that point. And, And he put it in perspective. When Tiger won events like this, there wasn't anyone down his back, right? There wasn't anyone when he was breaking records that was almost right alongside of him, right? When, when Tiger was making his run, when, when Jack made his run, he had Arnie and, and, and maybe even, you know, Gary Plater at the later end of his career. But when Tiger did what he did, and this is what made Tiger so special, there was nobody breathing down his back. It was six, seven stroke leads. It was four or five stroke wins when, you know, it was the only guy under par when, when everyone else found the course impossible. It was, it was these monumental, like just blowouts that is just, it's once in a lifetime, if once ever to see a talent like Tiger Woods. And it just almost seems like his mindset too was, yeah, he knew he was so ahead of everybody but he had to go out and beat yesterday. Mm-hmm. Not like beat yesterday, absolutely destroy yesterday. <laughs> and then everybody talks about that, you know, that eye of the tiger and like you can see that fierceness in his eyes or the ice in his veins or whatever the hell you want to call it. He had that. That's And that's just me watching highlight reels of Tiger Woods and sped up rounds and every shot Tiger had and so-and-so round. And this <laughs> wasn't, you know, I was, you know, his... uh start to the tour 96 97 you know i'm sitting here at six seven years old <laughs> i'm clueless right you know i, I don't know what's going on <laughs> it wasn't until i had to go back to the archives and go into you know good old youtube and find that out ever since i really kind of came into the addiction and the love of the game and it really is and i mean you know you even look at the way it's transformed not only the pga tour uh, we want to get into a really cool story here with some Monday qualifier action uh, scene for the Monday qualifier for the Honda Classic here out of the South Florida section of the PGA. Um, two guys, uh, Gomez and Seifert, uh, got in. Actually, I'm sorry, Smith and Sear got in um, at six under, respectively. There was a 16 for one playoff to get into the Honda Classic. And, and I think... When you look at this, right, I mean, we see guys like Mickey DeMorat, um, who's played on the Corn Ferry Tour, gotten into a couple U.S. Opens. Uh, we see a guy like David Lingmurth in there that played on the PGA Tour for a couple years. We saw his name in and out of, you know, contending for a PGA Tour event. Uh, we saw DJ Trahan. We see guys like JT, JT Griffin, who has just been in and amongst the Monday qualifiers, I think, for the last three years. He's willing he i mean he is going to break through at some point you see a lot of common names that are just high end players just waiting for that breakthrough and i think you know you look at this 16 for 1 playoff when's the last time you even heard a 10 for 1 playoff or a 8 for 1 playoff this is direct tiger woods effect when we're talking about how great tiger woods was right this i mean monday q info info shout out to him and and being part of the the uh fire pit collective from from matt janella shout out to the way they covered this they they posted they said uh just a full range for a monday q second day playoff right like they had to come back the next morning because it was too dark uh to finish this playoff 16 guys for one spot um when you get into this playoff alone, you think, man, you know, it's got to go a couple holes, right? Like 16 guys, somebody's going to make birdie, a couple guys are going to make birdie. Uh, they played out at, and and I got this wrong. I think I got this wrong off the first jump. So, I, gosh, help me if I butch this again. But Banyan K Resort in West Palm Beach, Florida, um, they, paid, they played the 10th hole, which is a 505-yard par 5. Um, we had one guy eagle sent the rest of the 15 guys packing at 7:55 in the morning. 
I mean, how great Dude. is that? How great is that? You wake up, you see the sunrise, you got your hopes of a PGA Tour event, and one guy out of 16 guys makes the eagle and sends the other 15 packing, while a lot of guys made birdie and thought their hopes were still alive. Oh, my goodness. I mean, just let alone imagine the fact that, one, you're saying, you're like, all right, you know, you finish Monday and you you come in and God knows when you finish. Next thing you know, oh, there's another person that tied. Uh, okay, probably going to have to go to a playoff to get this last spot. Then another person comes in and another, another. And then there's, you know, you and 15 other people. But then they said there's too many people and it's too dark that now they have to move it to the next day. And it's like cracking at dawn. So now you got your anxiety and adrenaline going through you like crazy Monday <laughs> night for you to basically have to do everything that you possibly can to prepare yourself the next morning. Get up early, uh, go through your routine, go, you know, do your stretches. Maybe, I don't know, whatever the process is to get yourself mentally and, you know, physically prepared for mm. what could be one hole which it was go out, warm up and go out there and play one hole. I mean, that's just, I mean, I told a buddy of mine and had to explain to him. I said, yo, like there's these tournaments out there where you can get in like that week's PGA event in a one day tournament. Right. And they take like X amount of players or like the top two or three to be able to play in mm. that actual tournament. And he goes, Oh really? I said, yeah, well, they had 16 players tie, and they had to go through a, a a a playoff hole for them to see who gets that spot, and his jaw dropped. And this guy does not follow really follow golf. He hates golf. He thinks it's boring. Makes fun of me for it. But you know, to each its own. And I had to explain it to him, and he just thought that was an unreal. When I think you know, you look at I look at two pictures here that I think is just the incredible contrast and the incredible allure of what it is to chase even Monday calling qualifying in the first place, right? Like you gotta, you gotta have some ambition, a some dreams B and a little bit of, you know, kind of out of touch with reality and C to really chase these Monday qualifiers because they're so difficult to make a living out of first picture is lamb after he makes that Eagle putt standing on the second hole or the 11th hole with his caddy, just waiting, right? thinking maybe someone else will make Eagle and I'm not done yet. So it's that, it's that uncertainty of saying, well, I just made Eagle and hell, I don't even know if that's good enough. You know, these tour players are so good. I don't even know if Eagle's good enough to get me through. Um, so it's, it's cool to see that picture a, to be like, you know, even if he made Eagle, he knew that like, you know, it's kind of that Kobe Bryant mentality jobs, not finished yet. You know, jobs, not done. Um, he knew that it wasn't done until every single last player went through that first hole and didn't make Eagle. So I think that picture alone is like just certifying how good these guys are, that he knew that Eagle was far from a walk-off Eagle. He had to go earn it. Um, and then the second picture is the other 15 guys and their caddies that didn't make it. PGA Tour got a, a video of them walking back off the 10th green all 15 guys in their caddies walking back to the parking lot, basically saying, you know, what do I have to do? I shot four. I shot five under in a qualifier. I came out here and half of those guys made birdie on the first hole, right? Like how much more can you ask of a guy to go in a, in a 7.30 a.m. the day after the initial qualifier, fresh out of the car in probably a hotel room again because they had to stay an extra day, and then come back first thing in the morning, first hole out, right? There's no... Well, let me warm up for a couple holes and make a couple pars. There's a very small bucket of balls. If that, go make birdie. If you don't, you go home. And even if you do, you go home. Go make eagle. <laughs> it's man. It, it's again. It, it it's jaw dropping, and it just goes to show, like you said, going back to Riviera and and the tiger effect of what it's done and that ripple over the years up into leading to today. And when it comes to professional golf, I mean, it's just the players are just too damn good and getting yourself on tours. I mean, it, if you can make that a reality, you, I don't care. Anybody on tour, you were very, very damn good. 
when I write, I think it's the, it's not even the fact of like, you are very damn good. I think it becomes the fact of too, like whether any professional player wants to admit it or not, you had some insane, you know, chips fall your direction. If you want to talk poker, you you had some insane uh, grains of the grass lean your way, right? Like when you talk about being one guy at a 16 that make Eagle uh, and the way he made Eagle, if you go, if you guys go and watch that video, it's not a 10 footer. It, it's not an easy putt. He makes the 30 foot, like sliding right to left putt down the hill, probably picking up speed as it hit the cup. He made this insane putt. And it's like, you know, when you look at stuff like that, you almost have to have, I don't care whatever. And anybody that says anything, you have to have a little bit of luck uh, when it comes to making these, uh, you know, making the difference between, you know, making this Monday qualifier or not. So uh, it's just exciting to see the, the opportunity, these people or these guys, you know, capitalizing on on a 16 for one uh event and it's it's stuff like this and and again shout out to monday q info on twitter for just being the beacon of keeping these stories alive uh within you know the twitter sphere and and really shining light on um these incredible monday qualifiers i think as you watch his twitter go on and on and on and as he dives into more great stories you just hear more and more about these insane monday qualifier stories and i think that's the incredible side of golf that just needs so much more light shine on it. Oh, couldn't agree more. I mean, there's some stuff out there on YouTube that you can watch where they kind of, you know, a little, little vlog for the day of someone going through a Monday qualifier. And, you know, we just need more of that because that's, that's the blood, sweat and tears that, you know, you just don't see that these guys that on tour have gone through and to be able to see that really kind of puts you, in perspective of how hard it is to make it on tour. And again, how good these guys really are. Yeah, for sure. So uh, guys look out for uh, that qualifier this week coming up at the Honda classic. It'll be interesting to see, can he make the cut now? Does that extra little bit of, uh, of pressure, you know, coming into the, the, the last day, I guess, help him uh, or does it hurt him? Does he, does he feel too mentally exhausted to perform? So guys go, go keep an eye on Rick lamb this week coming up at the Honda classic. Um, so guys, if you want to go to www.enjoythewalkpod.com, uh, you can check out the latest podcast from us. You can check out the latest YouTube videos. We have a completely revamped website, which is ready for you guys to go check out today. Uh, If you guys go check out our website, you guys can shop the latest gear drops from us. We've got all kinds of new options there for you guys. Uh, We've been working hard to provide on-course and off-course options for you guys to wear. We've got new trucker caps. We've got new dad hats. We've got all kinds of new crew necks. If you guys are watching on YouTube, go check out our YouTube. If you aren't, I'm wearing one of the new crew necks that's actually embroidered. So guys, we're working hard to provide you high quality embroidery options. Um, And we're also including some new accessories. So we've got some water bottles. We've got our towels back up there. Uh, We've got obviously the quarter zips that we had before our Palm Springs trip. If you guys saw us in the YouTube videos when we were out in Palm Springs, we've got those quarter zips up on the website live. So guys, just go check out our website, www.enjoythewalkpod.com. Like we said, revamped. So it's mobile friendly. Uh, Check it out on your laptop. You guys can check out all of the podcasts that we've recently released right there on the website, as I said, as well as interviews and YouTube videos. And if you can do yourself a favor, sign up for our email list, Uh, enjoythewalkpod at gmail.com if you want to reach out to us, but sign up for our email list where you can get the latest updates from our blogs, our videos, uh, and pro shop updates as well. So Dante, we talked PGA Tour, we talked Riviera. There was also some fighting words out of Riviera this week, which we need to address. Um, As everyone was still talking the Saudi Tour, uh, Bryson, uh, I I think even uh, DJ, Rory, it seemed like a domino effect, right? Everybody but Phil seemed to come out and say, my allegiance is with the PGA Tour. Um, And then at the end of the week, Rory had some final comments where he basically said, I don't want to kick a man when he's down, referring to Phil Mickelson. And then he proceeded to drop kick him in every which way possible. Um, What were your thoughts on kind of seeing the dominoes fall of people, even speculating people like Bryson, 
really just say, you know what? I'm with the tour. You know, I th- I mean, <laughs> I know there was jokes about Bryson being like the face of the tour and they were offering him a crap ton of money and just, I don't know, kind of, I wish it almost seemed like he was going to go that way based off, you know, how media likes to push it, the narrative and pushes the story. But it, it kind of shocked me how more of the domino effect that everybody, it was like, as soon as one person said something like, especially like Bryson came out and then, you know, Rory, who's kind of like stood, stood by the PGA tour, said it like prior to that. And, but like these bigger name guys is basically saying like, no, they've always kind of kept quiet the entire time and decided everybody decided at the same time to basically release their statement or how they're standing by the PGA tour. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you kind of, conspiracy conspiracy theory-esque person in me kind of wonders what's going on behind the scenes is this you know is this the pga tour trying to get you know fight for that pit money mm-hmm. instead of giving it out you know it, it just it's weird i mean obviously you're never gonna know the true story unless you really sit behind but again it just kind of it seems like they just left uh phil on that floating island and just said sayonara like we're out well, you know, and it's funny to me, too, if you look at um, I, I think you're spot on with the way the dominoes fell and everybody was just all of a sudden, um, you know, in occurrence. And it, it was, um, you know, it was PGA this PGA that I would never leave. I would never, you know, consider anything else. PGA tours provided me this, that or the other. Um, we both talked about um, the possibilities of the PGA tour somehow you know, behind closed doors, behind the scenes, being affiliated with this Saudi tour, right? And making money off of the Saudi tour. Because if you look closely, now put put our tinfoil hats on, right? We're conspiracy theorists here. Put the tinfoil, t- put the tinfoil hats on with the next conversation we're about to have, ladies and gentlemen, because it gets very conspiracy-esque. But our conversation was, imagine, just imagine, um, that the PGA Tour is somehow making money uh, off of this Saudi league because they're coming to the PGA Tour, basically home turf for uh, at least 10 tournaments. They're talking about coming to the United States for at least 10 tournaments, right? Who is the leader in the United States for professional golf at the time? PGA Tour. So how is the Saudi Tour going to make this happen without really stepping on toes? Partnering with the PGA Tour, right, ladies and gentlemen, hear us out. Why was there so much hype and every media outlet associated with the PGA Tour? Golf.com, Golf Digest, Golf Channel, every media outlet that has deals with the PGA Tour for like five weeks straight talked nothing about the PGA Tour and talked everything about the Saudi League. Why do you think that might have happened? Maybe because the PGA Tour told them to. I don't know. Just saying seems a little suspicious if you ask me, um, but it, it was interesting to see the the tide turn back all of a sudden, like a, a switch had just flipped and the PGA tour said enough talking about it. You declare your allegiance for us or you're gone. And a lot of guys did that. Yeah. And it's, and I think it kind of goes back to really what Phil tried to stand on. Maybe he said some stuff, um, that probably what I guess shouldn't have been said, or again, he spun it the wrong way or it came out the wrong way again, you know, that's, that's for everybody to determine, but it, it seems like the bottom line is Phil Mickelson basically is saying that the PGA tour shouldn't have the ability to take like the, I guess you could say the rights or, it, it kind of comes down to like the media media side of the things, right? Their mm-hmm. brand, like Phil Mickelson's his own brand, right? He's part of the PGA tour, but he's not employed by the PGA tour. It's almost like that conversation we back with the independent contractors. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to certain like media rights, it's, it's almost as the PGA tour says, no, nah, this is all ours. You have to do X, Y, and Z in order to do, you know, A, B, Z. Like, you know what I mean? It, it just seems I think that's what Phil's trying to say is that we're trying to go out there and represent our brand. I'm Phil Mickelson. That's my brand, Phil Mickelson. But the PGA is putting all these halts and roadblocks in front of him saying he can't do this and he can't do that. And that's what Phil's trying to basically pinpoint and going towards the Saudi league because they're just like, yeah, you can do whatever the hell you want. Well, and, and so here's, you know, I, I think 
the platform that we have um, and, and what our listeners are looking for, I'm going to take the next three minutes of this podcast and actually read his statement because I think there's a lot of good in what he says. And if you're looking at the comments on social media, everyone kind of agrees with him. And we'll even get into, after I read his statement here, how Tiger Woods, out of all people, sat down at Riviera and kind of explained his agreeance with, with Phil Mickelson and where he saw the light in which Phil was shining on some of the issues with where even Tiger Woods saw the PJ Tour kind of overstepping. So, guys, I'm going to step into Phil Mickelson's press release. Now, for better or for worse, maybe it was just a press release to get people off his back. But here's what he said, and, and I'm going to read it word for word, and then we can kind of discuss about it from there. So a statement from Phil Mickelson. Although it doesn't look this way, now given my recent comments, my actions throughout this process have always been with the best interest of golf, my peers, sponsors, and fans. There is the problem of off-record comments being shared out of context and without my consent. But the bigger issue is that I used words I sincerely regret that do not reflect my true feelings or intentions. It was reckless. I offended people. I am deeply sorry for my choice of words. I'm beyond disappointed and will make every effort to self-reflect and learn from this. Golf desperately needs change, and real change is always preceded by disruption. I've always known that criticism would come with exploring anything new. I still chose to put myself at the forefront of this topic to inspire change, taking the hits publicly to do the work behind the scenes. My experience with Live Golf Investments has been very positive. I apologize for anything I said that was taken out of context. The specific people I have worked with are visionaries and have only been supportive. More importantly, they passionately love golf and share my drive to make the game better. They have a clear plan to create an updated and positive experience for everyone, including players, sponsors, networks, and fans. I have incredible partners, and these relationships mean so much more to me than a contract. Many have been my most influential mentors, and I consider all to be lifelong friends. The last thing I would ever want to do is compromise them or their business in any way, and I've given all the option to pause or end the relationships with those sponsors, as I understand it might be necessary given the current circumstances. I believe in these people and the companies and will always be here for them with or without contracts. I've made many mistakes in my life and many have been shared with the public. My intent was never to hurt anyone and I am sorry for the people I have negatively impacted. This has always been about supporting the players and the game I appreciate, all the people who have given me the benefit of the doubt. Despite my belief that some changes have already been made with the overall discourse, I know I need to be accountable. For the past 31 years, I have lived a very public life and I have strived to live up to my own expectations, be the role model the fans deserve, and be someone to inspire others. I've worked to compete at the highest level, be available to media, represent my sponsors with integrity, and engage with volunteers and sign every autograph for my incredible fans. I have experienced many successful and rewarding moments that I will always cherish, but I have often failed myself and others too. Past 10 years, I have felt the pressure and stress slowly affecting me at a deeper level. I know I have not been my best on and off the course and desperately need some time away to prioritize the ones I love most and work on being the man I want to be. Sincerely, Phil Mickelson. So Dante, after reading that, I think there's a lot of good discourse out of that. I think he realizes that even though he's apologizing for the statements he made, it was necessary to push the conversation as far as he did. And I think, and I think we talked about this on and off camera, he was, you know, in poker terms, he might have been bluffing a little. He might have had pocket twos playing with the ace king, playing against the ace through queen flush or something like that. Right. Um, what are your thoughts after kind of hearing that discourse from Phil Mickelson? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it seemed like he really had to ruffle some feathers in order to get his point across and get um, what he wants in the right direction and, and make changes in where he sees that need to be fit and changed. And I, I think that's where a statement comes from. I mean, obviously, you know, the PGA tour has been his home for 
years now and like you think he's just gonna up and leave that no i mean he he basically wants to be the face of the players and wants to represent the players as if you know he's the the lead of the players committee i I feel like that's what he wants he basically wants the players to call the shot and whatever changes are needed or whatever he wants changed he's going to get a group of people on a board and they're going to make that happen and it seems like he's caught that eye i mean i don't really know what they're going to do but i think he honestly got his point across and he's not going to stop because he believes there needs to be change. He's, he openly admitted there needs to be change and he wants change. Mm-hmm. No, I think, you know, the way he talks about even there being, um, you know, the respect there for the live golf committee, um, I think alone says how he feels about the direction in which he wanted to go. Um, I think it speaks to the direction in which he sees the ability for worldwide golf organizations to be a thing, you know, away from the PGA tour. I think he sees the grander scheme of things in saying that, listen, at the end of the day, yes, I lived a phenomenal career on the PGA tour. The PGA tour provided for me in ways that like, you know, he'll never be able to pay back, but like exclamation point, asterisk, asterisk, but, he sees the grander scheme, right? Like he understands it's probably a little bit of BS that he has to go pay a million dollars to the tour just because he wants to go play in an exhibition. He thinks he, he as an individual should be able to go play wherever he wants. Fact. I think at the end of the day, he realizes that, you know what, if I wanted to go play in this tour on, you know, the third week of February and then come back and play in the PGA tour the fourth week of February, I should be able to, with no repercussions, I should be able to create my own schedule because I'm an independent contractor. Right. But not on the PGA tour. Technically, even though I am, I'm not because I got to go pay them to pay play somewhere else. And I think, you know, that's just hitting the tip of the iceberg of what Phil Mickelson was really truly trying to accomplish. And I think when you look at what he was speaking about, was some of the things a little maybe off as far as exactly what the facts are? Maybe. But I think Phil was trying to make a point. And I think with all of the BS and, and feathers he might have ruffled, I think he ruffled some feathers in the right direction. Yeah, and, and I'm interested to see what else there is out there that he wants changed on the PGA Tour because it kind of just seems that you and I and the rest of the the golf world only knows that it comes down to the media rights, right? It just almost seems like why, why can't like, that's, that's a video of me. Like, why can't I post that on, on like my brand, but still get repercussions from the PGA tour. (laughs) That's all. Like I kind of see in the media spotlight. I feel like there's a lot more and I would like to know what Phil sees needs to be changed. And at the end of the day, what I, I kind of respect Phil, you know, a little bit on the fact that, you know, it almost seems like all these other players basically came out and said, I'm either for it or against it, right? When it comes to the PGA Tour. Mm-hmm. And Phil's like, nah, like, I respect the PGA Tour. I love the PGA Tour, but y'all need to still fix your shit. And I'm going to tell you about that. I apologize for how I handled <laughs> it, but you still need to get your shit together and fix the stuff that needs to be fixed. Yeah. And I think, (laughs) I think, you know, again, I think this is why if you look at the grand scheme and you look past some of the BS articles that were written about him, I think even, you know, I love Roy McIlroy. I think he means the most, he means the most for the game and he really wants to empower the game to the next level. I think even Roy McIlroy's comments were a little bit of like, you know, kind of closed minded when he talked about Phil being selfish and egotistical. It's like, in a way, I see what Rory was trying to say, right? But at the end of the day, I think when you look at, you know, when you when you look at the way Phil talks about it, he says golf desperately needs to change, and change is always preceded by disruption. I think Phil was going at it from an attack angle of saying, listen, I need to do a little disrupting here. I need to A, get people to think, B, get people to, you know, kind of say, hey, what what is the other side like, right? Like the PGA tour, isn't my only option for a career. And until the Saudi league really came through, 
people were saying like, man, if I don't make it on the PGA tour, I don't have a golf career in the United States anyway. And, and unless you go over to the Europe tour, but even European tour pros are coming to the PGA tour because that's the prime option right now. So I think, you know, it, it's been that way for a long time. And I think a little disruption was not, um, not a bad thing, even though the media spun it, like Phil Mickelson was just the super villain. Yeah. I mean, everywhere you got to have your villain. So might as well, that's created <laughs> if it's not being, you know, created within, uh, but it kind of almost feels like feels like now the the Greg Norman because you know that Greg Norman basically said, "Hey, like I just want to be able to go and play these events where I want to." But almost it seems like the PJ's like, "Nah, like you're in our house, like you have to play here, mm-hmm. right?" And it's like, what's wrong? Again, I, I what's wrong? Like like take Saudi out of this. Just any like all these tours all across the world. I mean, this, again, we've talked about this plenty of times. There's so many amazing golf courses around the world. Like, why can't I just like be able to get travel the world? Like that's another part of the thing too, that probably people love playing about the PGA tour is the ability to travel, but your mm-hmm. only ability to travel is through, you know, coast to coast here. Like what if I want to go over and maybe once a year overseas, if you're not yeah. playing on the European <laughs> tour, like why can't I go play in XYZ tour and ABC tour and be able to play in these, you know, these other continents and countries and be able to play these room, like awesome courses and be able to play for a paycheck because, and win another tournament. Like why not? But at the same time, they're like, nah, you can't do that. You got to stay here. It's like, like you, Whoa, hold on. Like, well, I think so. Here's an interesting thing, which I think got entirely lost in either the broadcast or just people in general or whatever. Um, I think this got lost in a grand scheme, which I want to talk about here is Tiger Woods actually talking uh, in almost agreeance with Phil Mickelson and the way he talks about um, the PGA tour having media rights. Right. So you can tell Tiger Woods has been doing a little bit of uh, a little bit of investigation into what Phil's been talking about. And I think when you're one of the winningest you know, guys on tour as of the winning this guy on tour of all time um, in this generation, you look at and say, well, what does that mean for me? Right. And Tiger starts to talk about, you know, all of his putts to win majors. The PGA tour owns that video. They own the video right to play that putt that Tiger Woods made time and time again, and make money off of it. Tiger Woods can't make money off that. Every tour win. Tiger Woods can't make money off the video of him winning that tournament. Only the PGA tour can. So Tiger starts to really step into the conversation of, uh, you know, I think the next generation of, of, you know, money and crypto. Uh, He starts to talk about NFTs and he starts to say, what if I want to sell an NFT of every major I've ever won of every tour win I've ever won and the video or the picture associated with that. I can't because I don't own that. And it starts to become like a, a big realization, a big kind of deer in the headlights of like, shit. I mean, even Tiger Woods, the greatest of all time, the greatest PGA Tour winner, the 15-time major winner, he doesn't win. He doesn't own those rights. And if Tiger Woods doesn't, everybody else underneath him does, sure as heck does not own those rights. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And sometimes, I don't know. It, it, it's weird. Again, it's, it's very uh it's it's a very great area because again like it's you're playing for the pga but at the same time i'm on my own brand mm-hmm. and it's like what the hell and it's just like it's like they need to just come sit down and kind of come with some type of agreement and basically like like the pga like we know you've been around for like freaking freaking ever like we know like you're the top dog like come on like like you know Lighten up a little bit. Loosen up. I mean, they can't. Y'all want to take some fucking photos of and videos of Joel Dahman and, uh, you know, Harry Higgs, you know, and post left and right and how awesome it was because that's the waste management tournament and it's the loudest hole in golf and then come around and then find them. Like, how are you going to do that? Yeah, I think I think this is the number one thing that, again, my dad and I were talking about this when I was home over the weekend and he couldn't believe it. He was like, wait a minute, you're going to tell me. He's like, I saw it posted on every social media, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, 
PGA Tour was running rampant with that video. Harry Higgs, Joel Dahman, they were splitting it up. They were just doing the Harry Higgs bit. They were doing both of them. They were making video after video and just pumping it out on social media because it was the waste manager. It's a cool tournament. It's the laid back tournament. It's the tournament where everybody goes crazy. And then you come to find out the Tuesday after the tournament, they're slapping Harry Higgs and Joel Dahman with a fine because it was indecent exposure and this, that, and the other. And, it, you know, it comes, it comes to a point where enough is enough on the BS. And, and you're either going to say, listen, we own the rights to these guys and we're going to make money off of them. Leave it at that. Or you find the guys and you take every single video that you find these guys for off the internet because you don't yep. deserve to make money on stuff that you're finding your own players for. Yep. Playing the agree more. The good old double standard of the PGA tour. Yeah. Gotta love it. So I think, you know, at the end of the day, um, it's made people like us aware of the double standard. I think, you know, some of your, I, I think uh, some of your old timers, some of your guys that have just followed the tour for uh, all too long, had, took the tour side and just never looked back, right? Like they just don't see the, the light at the end of the tunnel as far as where the tour could ever go wrong. Cause it's the PGA tour and it's the great almighty. Uh, saw plenty of that on social media, plenty of guys writing articles like that. So uh, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, I, I think Rory made a comment here where I think it was very close minded. Um, and I think when I was just talking about guys who think that the PGA tour is the great almighty don't see the possibilities, right? He called the tour dead in the water. And I think, oh, contraire, this tour is going to play on. Just because DJ and Phil, and you know what's funny? Phil never quite said he was out yet. He just said he regretted what he said. So pause on that, Mark. But <laughs> your big guys that said PGA Tour is my spot, right? Guys like Kiradet Apabarnrat, Adam Scott, Jason Kokrak, and a, and a bunch of other European Tour pros that we haven't even named yet because they haven't come out and talked about it. Um, I think this tour is going to go on, whether these guys play on it or not. This tour is going to happen. And, and when you look at guys, especially like we talked about Jason Kokrak, he basically said, he's like, listen, I've got a bunch of kids. I've got, you know, a wife and kids to pay for. If I, if I don't have to play PGA Tour golf for the next 20 years, if I can retire in two years, sign me up. I think there's a lot of guys like that that are in their late 30s early forties, they're going to take that cash payment and get the heck out of golf in the next five years. Yeah. And it could be more fuel to fire for this, you know, the push for the Saudi league after the whole, this player coming out, you know, I'm for the, I'm in for the PGA and it's, you're either in or you're out kind of mentality. It almost feels like, all right, okay, cool. Like now we know, like, let's, you know, we're going into, we're going into a, a little fight here and, and it, it shouldn't be that way again. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I feel like there's so many different ways to go about these things and be able to can, you know, collaborate and be able to partner and be able to work, work things out in regards to, to points and status and playing here and playing there and who's got what rights. And I mean, there, there's so much that you can get into a room and kind of hash this all out, but dead in the water i i think you just put you know for the you know gasoline to the fire and and again i think you're right um i just think there's too many again right we media the pga tour and and their co-parts dj uh, john rom rory I think when this conversation hit a head point, I think they got too they got too close minded, right? Look at what just happened this past week on a Monday qualifier: a sixteen for one of guys that went six under, five under, four under in one day. There is no lack of world class talent out there, and I think the guys, especially on the PGA Tour, are going to get a rude awakening when a tour comes up alongside of them. And one time, I'm not saying this year, I'm not saying next year, but in a time, in a land far, far away, uh, maybe three years, four years down the road, a competitive tour comes right up alongside of them, and they are world-class players. 
I think that's the one thing the PGA Tour fails to realize is that just because these guys don't get an opportunity to Monday qualify and play on the PGA Tour doesn't mean the talent's not out there. I think, and, and this is my spin zone on everything, I think for every Roy McElroy, John Rahm, Dustin Johnson, I think there's guys out there that at any given week can compete with them. I don't think I'm far off in saying that. I think that, again, it'll go back to what I said earlier. I think the chips fell in the right direction for these guys early in their career, and they got the right opportunity to go be a world-class player. I think there's plenty of guys in the world that in any given week can beat the John Roms, can beat the Dustin Johnsons, can beat the Rory McIlroys, can beat the Colin Morikawas, right? We've seen it time and time again. We just had three back-to-back-to-back first-time winners of guys you've never even heard of. Yeah, and it kind of just goes back to what you're saying, too, is that the tour card is so damn hard to get that, you know, all right, say you take 30 to 60 players and you're like, all right, sayonara, well, that's 30 to 60. Because I think Pat Perez, it too, Pat Perez said it, too. He goes, all right, if they want to leave, they're going to leave. But guess what? You're going to have 30 other great players fill those spots, and that's exactly what you're saying. You're going to have these guys come in, and guess what? They may take out the Rory's. They may take out the Collins. They may take out the John Rom. You don't know. And that's kind of the beauty of it, too, and the excitement to see is you know, you're, you're giving these players that are just right on the bubble to get themselves inside the PGA Tour. That could actually basically be, you know, they get their foot in the door. It could be game over for these top 20, top 50 players. I think it's perfect what you just said there about Pat Perez, right? Everyone inside the PGA Tour is looking at it from a perspective, oh, we don't need those 30 guys. The PGA Tour doesn't need them. Those 30 guys that leave, you'll be very, very quick to find out those 30 guys, they don't need the PGA Tour either. Yeah. Fun fun times ahead. All I can say is Greg Norman is onto something. I'm excited to see it pull through. Uh, I think the dead in the water comments could not be more far off. Um, And I'm excited to see what materializes. Uh, So guys, speaking of dead in the water, uh, Dante and I, both our games were dead in the water out at Rams Hill. Oh Um, oh buddy. We had a fun (laughs) follow-up podcast there with Trent Feltz. Um, So we get into that next year on the podcast, but guys, as always, if you go to at enjoy the walk pod on Instagram and Twitter, you can give us a follow there as well as enjoy the walk off podcast on YouTube, where you'll find the next part of this episode with Trent Feltz live off the 18th green out at Rams Hill uh, on our YouTube uh, in the coming week here. So guys, as always get out there, carry your clubs and enjoy the walk and enjoy this talk with Trent Feltz. What's going on, guys? Dalton here with Enjoy the Walk. We've got Mr. T. Feltz, um, the drone extraordinaire with us here at Rams Hill. Just got done playing 18. Um, what a day. I mean, a perfect way to decompress um, at truly a one-of-a-kind property. Yeah, I absolutely love it out here. I love coming to Rams Hill. Everyone here is just so nice, so respectable, and just welcoming. You know what I mean? Like, this is one of those places that's just, like, bucket list for sure. If, if you haven't been out here, it's just, you got to come. And... Did we mention the, the little treat around nine? Can we can we mention that to the people? Well, you can go ahead if you'd like. I'm... Street tacos, guys. Chicken or yeah. pork, but some street tacos so are the talk around town here at Rams Hill. Um, so just the perfect little spice to kind of get you through the second half of your day. Tender, juicy, little kick. Get the fire in your ass and start playing better. That's if it. If you're having a bad round. Or keep it going and step <laughs> on it. It was a lot of fun. I mean... Dante, your first time here. Yes. So what was the overall thought of like the entire day today? Unimaginable. I mean, it was just extraordinary. This is, n- this is a facility that you just pretty much don't even picture. I mean, you're in the middle of nowhere. You're surrounded by mountains. And you got beautiful houses on the property, palm trees, desert. Um, if some of those who are familiar with the Breaking Bad show... <laughs> takes the RV out into the desert, that's pretty much where you're at. Um, just rocks and nowhere else to go. And then there's just this beautiful golf course. I mean, it, it, one thing that really stood out to me is how quiet it really was and how peaceful this 
Well, I'm sure the listeners can kind of hear the rumblings of the water behind us, um, behind 18, and really coming down from the T to green on 18. There's just water features everywhere. Um, you get that here and there on the course, but it's really, I think, kind of exploited by how quiet everything else is around it. You can always hear running water when, yeah. you're, when you're close. Pretty sweet. So, yeah, I mean, Trent, you're what seems like a natural around this place. You come out a good bit, whether it's by yourself or with the guys at Southern California Golf Academy. Um, like you said, today was very kickback compared yeah. to the rest of our week. What's your favorite place about this, you know, this property that continues to amaze you? Yeah, I mean, my favorite thing about the property has got to be, you know, the course design. It's pretty playable off the tee, mm -hmm. which I like because, you know, I don't hit the ball that straight. So, you know, it's friendly off the tee. Sure. And so, you know, Tom Fazio did a great job designing this course where every hole, like, seems like it's kind of closed in. Uh -huh. You kind of get that vibe, right? So, yeah. you know, every hole, it seems like you're the only one on the golf course. And so you're able to just, you know, just be, at your, be with yourself out there. And it's just like, it's just peaceful golf. Like, you don't really get that with a lot of courses. You know, you get the housing, mm -hmm. um, a, lot of, a lot of different stuff going on in the course. It kind of gets a little distracting. Yeah. Um, but out here, you're just, you know, one with the course pretty much. You are. You're on your own bubble. And every hole, I think that's what's really special. we got a coyote walking across the range out there um, just to tell you guys about the wildlife that also exists around Rams Hill here. Um, that is the one thing that's truly special about this place is, like, you're in your own bubble, but each hole takes precedence as its own i think that's what's really cool about the golf course architecture yeah. side of things like when you're looking down a hole you're not seeing another par three here and another par five here you're, you're seeing that hole and i think that's what's kind of special about this place compared to a lot of other places around the country yeah so true yeah i mean what i mean with your first time viewing it like what what did you is that what you've seen as well like yeah come to think about it it, it truly was i mean you the hole you were on was the hole that that's all you knew yeah. And that kind of goes at, I mean, some of the designs. I mean, I know back home, Pine Valley is just like that. That mm -hmm. hole, whatever hole you're on, that's the only hole you see. You don't see anybody else. I mean, there was probably, what, a, a bunch of groups in front of us and a bunch of groups behind us. Yeah. We didn't really see them at all. Yeah, other than on 17, we didn't really see anyone behind us. Mm -hmm. You know, hardly no one in front of us. Yeah. Most of the day, so. Yeah, you get a good good opportunity just to, you know, the four guys you bring together or four women or co-ed group that you bring together, you get to kind of just be with them for the day. That's another cool part about this place is, like, when you're just kind of hanging out with your buddies, and um, I haven't been able to decompress at many places. Like, you can kind of just unwind yeah. here at Rams Hill. Such a relaxing round. You know, you got to love it. Yeah. And then you get the cookie afterwards, too, and it's like the little icing on the cake. It's just uh Perfect. It's, it's bar none here, and, you know, as we're sitting back behind the clubhouse in between the 18th green, getting ready for some dinner, before we wrap up, let's talk about the week. You know, we came out here for the mm -hmm. Palm Springs Golf Championship, Dante's first time there as well. So, like, you know, I'm going to keep throwing it to you because it's your first time. The whole week we got out here Saturday um, and then just started playing PJ West Golf. It was something that, you know, is new for you. What was your thoughts on that side of our trip? Um Again, it was just views I never thought I'd ever imagine. Uh, like we talked before, I mean, the last time I was in California was about 21 years ago, and I think it was the Hollywood up in L.A. going to Disney, and, you know, that's just basic city, and it's crowded. I mean, out here, you're in, you're in the desert. You got the mountains. You got trees. You got water. You got everything. I mean, you got certain wildlife. I was trying to hope to see, but was told don't go near there with the scorpions and rattlesnakes. But, yeah. I mean, just the... The golf alone, I mean, we were spoiled, absolutely spoiled on every round that we're playing. And we still have one more to yeah. go back in San Diego. I mean, I've never been into San Diego. I've never been to Palm Springs. I mean, this, like, southern and then southern, like, southeast area of the whole California region is just, if you can make it out here, do it. Yeah pretty awesome for sure it's something that like even myself coming out here a second time there was some th there were some times I had to like pinch myself I'm like I'm really looking at that and it's just some of these views the way the mountains kind of frame in the golf course or even if you're not on the golf course and the mountains just kind of frame in whatever area you're looking at it's you don't get this too many other places there, in the country there were times where I just let whoever's group I was playing with just go ahead a couple hundred yards just so I can like take a step back and just look out into the distance and just take it in because this isn't home for us we don't see this right at all so being able to come out and see this is just it's just unreal i, I 
I don't have any more words to really describe it. It's something where you have to come out. Come out to the Palm Springs Golf Championships. Come out to Rams Hill. Come out to this area for you to just see it firsthand. Yeah, it's amazing golf out here. And, and Eric, who runs the Palm Springs Golf Championship, always doing a great job setting up like the course conditions. I mean, I know he is in charge of that, but the course conditions one week before the pros, I mean, come on. It's, it doesn't get any better. We play stadium and Nicholas course. and uh, We were kind of joking out here know. at Rams Hill. I mean, the Rams Hill uh, course was incredible. Greens were running great. But coming from stadium course and Nicholas course where they're yeah. really fast because they're getting ready for the pros, we left many putts short today because yeah. we were kind of spoiled we by can that tell PGA that West This course wasn't set up for the pros. <laughs> you know, like uh, stadium and Nicholas are being set up for the pros with the American Express coming to town next week. So Yeah. And then speaking of pros, I mean, we saw a handful of pros at the, oh my gosh. at the facility. I mean, Zach Johnson was two bays over from us getting a, a round in with, I guess, you know, some members or some buddies of his came out and played around. And then we go to find out he probably <laughs> stopped here for, you know, a little break it up because he was going out to play the Sony Open out in Hawaii. It was insane. Between him and, and seeing a lot of lady professionals as Allison well. Allison Lee. Yep. Um, you know, there's probably a few others that, you know, we don't know their names. Sure. I mean, it was just, it was, so. um, you could tell PGA West is kind of a playground for the professionals. Uh, they go there to get some good work in because it's a really challenging course. Um, speaking of challenging course, too, let's talk about the tournament rounds for a couple of days. Uh, I, know, I know we have two guys over here that played in a little classic of their own. Um, how challenging are those golf courses? Playing in the gross division is tough because um, based on the age bracket for us, we played in the gross division, so we were the championship flight, and we played it all the way back, pretty much where the pros are going to play. Mm -hmm. I'm not the longest of hitters, and it was long. It was tough. And even if you moved up a set of tees, it's, it's, a, it's a very difficult golf course, both of them, because it's, it's very strategic. And, but yeah. it was one hell of a time. Just to be able to walk the same course that the pros are going to be walking in a couple weeks, more, what more can you ask for? It and really is. Priceless. Priceless. And at the same time, I, I won the DFL Classic, so I came in dead fucking last for anybody that wants <laughs> Hey, you and Yeah, Fred my had pride a was on the line that last day, okay? I, you know, I shot some rounds in the 90s the first two days, and so did Dante. Yep. And then we, we had a little face-off. I spotted him two shots on the last yeah. day, and I went out and shot 82. So, yeah. you know, my, my ego, my pride was way on the line. I had to come to play, so... I did. Well, but, all, all I know is that just means Dante's going to have to come back out next year to defend his title. Line mode. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> That's I for sure. I hand over the title because technically the one that comes in dead fucking last wins. So I don't want to come in last again. Well, I know you don't, but you got to come out here and at least prove yourself. That is true. <laughs> we, I mean, we were working on the range. we I got a lot of swing work to do. Stay tuned year. because we're going to turn Dante into a fine player. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love it. But, uh, yeah, guys, I mean. What a trip. This is uh, not our last day, but it just feels like it's coming to an end. The way we were able to decompress today and kind of just unwind. Yeah. Uh, I'm beat. It's a heck of a week. It's been a long week, honestly. I'm feeling the swings, getting a little tired. You know, I play a lot of golf, but, I mean, playing seven days in a row pretty much is yeah. uh, it's a lot of golf. So. I feel pretty good, to be honest. I mean, you, you guys good. get to go back to the cold, yeah. too, so. I keep hearing that it's 20 degrees on the East Coast every single day with, like, a wind chill, causing it to feel like 15. So I'm not looking forward to that. So I'm going to try and just stay on the property as long as I possibly can, enjoy the weather. I mean, we were in shorts and T-shirt all week. I mean, the weather was 75 every single day and sunny, went down to 50 at night. Well, I mean, I, or I might just not go home. And just we stay we did kind of turn this into a business trip too. Really, yeah. we spent all day every day on the golf course. We there did. was not many hours of the yeah. day that we weren't on the golf course at some point. I mean, we were the talking with professionals. We were practicing, grinding over our own games, and playing golf. But what more can you ask for? You can't. Yeah. You really can't. It's absolutely amazing out here. I mean, PGA West, Rams Hill, Aviara. I'm excited so, for that Aviara San trip Diego. tomorrow. It's a great trip, guys. <laughs> I had a great time. As always. Uh, it's something that I think is starting to turn into a nice annual trip. So, um, you know, I know lives get in the way and lives get busy, but I hope we can continue to make yeah. this an annual trip because it's, uh, it's been one for the ages so far. Definitely a great time. Awesome. Well, guys, as always, uh, check out Rams Hill. It is Southern California's number one golf course for a reason. 
um, this place public puts on the show. Course. Number one public golf course. Yeah. See, that's some local knowledge that I'm glad we had him on the show for. Yeah, it's definitely worth it if you guys are out here in the, the Southern California area or really anywhere in the United States. I'd yeah. travel out here. Absolutely. No doubt about it. Um, guys, check them out. Rams Hill Golf Club. Uh, until next time. Shut it.